when you both have an active say or an equal say in what's Mm -hmm. going on, I think that's going to eliminate so many conflicts, so many issues (laughs) that many people can see in their relationship when it comes to money. Hey guys, and welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Ayana Campbell-Smith from Millennial Money Guide. Ayana is a debt-free money coach with a passion for helping millennial women and couples get unstuck so they can ditch debt, save more, and win with money. Through her Instagram, blog, and coaching programs, Ayana shares practical tips and money advice to help young adults navigate the sometimes intimidating and often misunderstood world of personal finance. Hey, Ayana, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Before we get into our discussion, I would love it if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you do. Hello, everyone. My name is Ayana Campbell-Smith, and I am a debt-free millennial money coach, and I work with millennial women and couples to help them get unstuck with their money so they can ditch debt, save more, and finally start winning with it. As far as what I do and where I come from, I actually started Millennial Money Guide as a side project. I am a graphic designer by trade, and I was really just looking for a fun, creative project to devote my time to around like mid to late 2019. And everything has just really grown so organically from there. So it started with an email newsletter, moved into my Instagram, and then from there offering coaching and speaking opportunities and speaking on podcasts like this one. So super excited to be with you today and to talk about some fun money topics. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about managing finances in your relationship. So this is, I feel like a very hot topic. So I'm really excited to have you on to discuss this. So I'm curious, how did you start helping couples navigate their finances? How did you get started? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to use the word organic a lot during this conversation. Everything that I've done so far with my business has really been exactly that. I didn't specifically pursue couples. I never specifically said, okay, I am a couple's money coach, but as people came to me with their money problems, I've sort of adapted my coaching model to be able to incorporate those sort of topics too. And so I have worked with couples during coaching and many times it's one person coming to me, one half of the couple coming and saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, we need help. Please help us. I'm going to convince my partner that this is what we need, but please just help us get started. Um, And usually one, one half may be a little bit reluctant to sign on, but by the end of our time together, they're both both sides are very happy that they made the investment that they went through the work and and went through the process. Yeah. And I'm sure it helps. I know you're married, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it helps like having your own experience as well with coaching couples. What are some of the biggest issues that you see couples face when it comes to managing their money? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. But I think the biggest thing I see or the biggest two things I see are number one, a lack of transparency when it comes to what's even going on with your finances. And then number two, just a sort of innate fear of bringing up these important money topics, either because they think they're going to be judged or they think that one side of the couple may try to be the more controlling one or like, are they going to Mm -hmm. think a certain way about me because of the debt that I have that I haven't disclosed or whatever it might be. So I think that both of those things kind of go hand in hand when you have that lack of transparency then of course, there is going to be that fear of the unknown of what is my partner going to think about me and my money situation. Um, I think that that is one of the reasons why I'm so dedicated to the work that I do in helping couples specifically, because I've really seen the benefit of what can happen and how you can win with money when you are on the same page with your partner. 
I've been married for five years. It's kind of not that long in the grand scheme of things, but I feel like I've learned a thing or two no, that's awesome. over these <laughs> yeah, over these last five years. And so yeah, I'm always super excited to be able to be sort of like that sort of neutral, middle ground, third party with these sort of couples and really help them work towards their goals together. Yeah. So how do you help couples be more transparent? Because I know I see this a lot. Should we have separate bank accounts? And do you disclose how much debt you have or your credit score before you get married or maybe even after you're married? So mm-hmm. yeah, what what are your thoughts there? I think that my approach is definitely not to pressure in anyone into doing anything that they're not comfortable doing, but just really driving home the importance of why transparency matters and how it only benefits both sides. So even though it may be sort of an uncomfortable transition or an uncomfortable thing in the beginning, when you're able to get on the same page with your partner, you're able to have those shared goals defined and those shared priorities and, you know, shared fears and just knowing that your partner is hopefully going to be there to help you work through all those things. I think that it really just goes a long way. And so my role as a coach is, like I said, just to be a neutral third party, not to be judgmental of either side, but really just to try mm-hmm. to help mediate if necessary. I'm not a licensed professional psychologist or anything <laughs> like that, but oh I think gosh, that some, yeah. <laughs> I just think that sometimes the walls come down a lot easier when you have someone in the middle that's sort of mediating both sides as opposed to you sort of going at it with your partner and not really knowing what the outcome is going to be. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know there will be times when you notice some habits within your partner that you may be uncomfortable with. So what would you say is the best way to approach your partner when it comes to bringing up a money issue? I would say that obviously you want to proceed with caution in a way you don't want to just dive right in because then the clause may come out and you know people may get defensive. But I think that When you're able to ease into the conversation and start by talking about how a particular issue makes you feel, as opposed to pointing a finger and saying, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're a bad person, and you should really stop that. I think that by sort of putting the focus on yourself and your own emotions and your own experience of that situation, I think that it really can help to sort of, like I said, help you ease into the process. I can really remember, if you don't mind, like, uh, just a personal situation, like, you know, part of the reason why I even started Millennial Money Guide was because the big transition I had was actually getting married and I had never managed money in the context of a relationship where we were going to be combining finances and working together on our goals. And so I remember really early on in our marriage, one of the things that came up for us and we were just getting comfortable, like really talking about money is my husband expressed to me that he wanted to get a new car, but I wasn't quite comfortable doing that because I knew that he had a little bit of student loans that we wanted to work on paying off. And so that was a great way to sort of ease into the conversation. I came to him and I said, Hey, I know that you want a new car. I know that's important for you. I want to work on that with you together. But first, what about let's work on getting rid of these student loans first together so that we can both mm-hmm. feel comfortable moving forward, not taking on a bunch of more debt and, you know, putting ourselves in a bad situation. And so that sort of first sort of um, even in our marriage was really a great way for us to work on teamwork, communication, managing our money together, identifying shared goals, and really just being on a side front and on the same page. And I think that since then, it's really just helped our relationship a lot too, because that's kind of the approach that we take to everything that we do now when it comes to our finances. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like similar to my experience with First Hustle Then Brunch and, you know, the coaching that I've done in the past, it's like I started this business also because of my own personal experience and what you learn, you're able to teach others. So I love Mm -hmm. that that's how you got started. The other major sort of money event, the reason that I started thinking more seriously about my money too, was us getting married and planning our wedding because a lot of the money that we were putting towards the wedding was coming out of our own pockets. And so Mm -hmm. that was an amazing sort of opportunity for us to really get on the same page about 
why it's important to have a budget, why it's important to really be on the same page about how much we want to spend on certain things. I actually, I, I did a post about this a really long time ago at the very beginning of Money Money Guide where I talked about my pre-wedding panic because I was doing everything right about like planning the wedding with a budget. I had my color coordinated spreadsheets of, you know, this is the wedding dress budget. This is arrangements and the decor budget, but sounds like I something failed. I would do. Very yeah, type exactly. A. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, same right here. But what I failed to do was to actually think about what happens after the wedding, because I would be moving out of my parents' house for the first time, furnishing an apartment, marrying this wonderful man that I love so much. But obviously, you know, like we had some conversations about money that were going to be new for us. And so that, again, was another sort of sort of like turning point with my personal finance journey, because I wasn't bad with money before, but it was all just a new situation and a new scenario for me when it came to like doing it with a partner. And so... I think that those early conversations really helped to sort of drive us in the right direction too when it came to how we would manage money in our relationship once we were actually married too. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And thank you for sharing. Of course. So what are the steps that you recommend couples take to get on the same page when it comes to money? Do you have a a system that you use with your clients? Yeah, definitely. I think it just goes back to kind of what I touched on before in that you should really work together to identify not only your individual goals within the couple, so each partner, but also what are the shared things that you're working on together? And then what does that mean for you as far as how you're going to prioritize those things? Like, for example, a shared goal between my husband and I might be the fact that, you know, we want to buy our first home. But individual goals that we have might be, I want to buy a Louis Vuitton bag and he wants to buy, you know, this new monitor for his computer. So we can have these different goals, these different money things that we want to do, but we have to be clear on what are we working on together and then how are we prioritizing that over the individual things that we're working on too, to make sure that both sides of the couple are feeling seen and heard when it comes to the things that they want to do with their money, but that they're also not sort of jeopardizing each other from being able to actually achieve what they want to do both together and then also individually too. Hopefully that makes sense. That kind of, that's kind of like a roundabout answer, I feel like, but hopefully it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get it. I think that's super important to acknowledge that everyone's going to have their own individual goals, but then you mm-hmm. also can have your goals together as a couple. Because for me, I'm super independent. Yeah. <laughs> and so just thinking of like getting married and obviously sharing money with someone else and having these goals that we're working towards together, that's great and all. But it's like, okay, I also want to have a little bit of my own freedom too to pursue those other things, maybe make some purchases that, you Mm -hmm. know, he might not agree with, but 100% align with my goals. And if I have the money saved up for, you know, I'm like, might as well. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So I love I love that that fits into this. I've recommended this to clients in the past. And you may have heard of these but money dates. Do you suggest Mm -hmm. these to clients? And like, what would you suggest as far as running those money dates? Like, what are the steps that you would recommend? Or what are some things that you definitely think should be discussed during those? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you call them money dates because that's exactly what I call them in my coaching program too. I think they are so important both for individuals and for couples. And so as far as what I recommend is like you planning your own uh, money date, I definitely think that number one, you should do it at a time when you're both open and receptive to having the date because the last thing that you want is for one partner to be like, hey, we're going to talk about money, the other person to not be in a mood and that leads to fights and conflict. So we want to make sure that it's something that is planned ahead of time that both people are open and receptive when they're coming to the date. I think another important thing is to come prepared to have a discussion. So what are the topics you're going to be discussing? What sort of things have maybe been going on that you don't quite agree with? How are you going to offer a solution for maybe 
a, a means of compromise or a means of sort of doing things in a different way so that both parties are happy. I think that's really important. And I think that actually sitting down together at some point and just running numbers together is really important too. So whether it's you both having a hand in how the budget is planned, you having a hand in how you know your savings goals are being prioritized, whatever it might be. I think that when both parties have maybe not like a, a completely equal active role in it, but when you both have an active say or an equal say in what's mm-hmm. going on, I think that's going to eliminate so many conflicts, so many issues that many people can see yeah. in their relationship when it comes to money. I think that a lot of times money conflicts stem from one side or the other feeling like they're not being seen or heard. And so whatever you can do to sort of alleviate those issues, I think is really going to help you. And it's only going to make the process easier. And it's really going to make it more fun because I personally think, maybe it's just my experience, but I really think that working with a partner towards a shared goal, seeing what you're building together, especially if you're building a life together, it's super exciting. And so if you can begin to come to the table with that level of excitement and understand that, hey, we're doing this as a team, even if you don't have shared bank accounts, even if you're not doing doing it how some other couple might do it, I think that the sort of underlying defining feature is just the fact that you're working together and that teamwork is only going to make your relationship stronger, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. How often would you say that you should meet to do these money dates? I think it depends on if you have a system in place. So I know that when we first got married, we were doing them, I want to say maybe on a weekly basis. That seems really often, but I think it was a weekly basis at least to get started. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, our money dates look a lot different being married for five years. Typically now it's like me doing the budget at the beginning of the month, me yelling over the room being like, hey, anything (laughs) I need to add on here? And then like us moving forward because we've developed a system over these last however many years that really works for us. But I think that when you're first getting started, the more often you can do it, not saying you need to do it every day, but maybe weekly, bi-weekly, yeah. at least once a month at a minimum to make sure that you're staying on the same page is important. And then as you get a system, maybe you space it out more and you begin to just have things that are sort of already in place and you don't necessarily need to do it so often. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned that you handle creating the budget at the beginning of the month. Is that right? Absolutely. I am the money person. <laughs> I try to get my husband to care about my spreadsheets, but you know... <laughs> He's just like, as long as the money is going where it should, like, I'm whatever, you know, (laughs) so. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Nice. Yeah, I feel like it's probably good for somebody to take the lead on having those conversations and holding, you know, the two of you accountable. So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I guess along those lines, as far as managing your expenses, how would you suggest splitting bills or what do you recommend? I'm sure this varies couple to couple, but Mm -hmm. if you had to give a recommendation, what would you say? Yeah. So like you said, I do think that it really varies based on the couple and their situation because, you know, different things and factors come into play such as income and comfort level and past experiences and traumas and maybe mistrust. Like there's a bunch of factors that can come in. And so I think it's hard to say exactly what you should do. I really advocate for really having a shared sort of approach. So if it makes sense for you combining just being on the same page, but I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. But I think the most important thing is just to make sure that I'm going to keep repeating myself, but every person is being heard and that whatever system you're using is one that you've both agreed upon. I know couples that will have like their own separate account and then have a shared account that they each contribute money to and then bills and things are paid from that. I've seen that work really well for a lot of people. I've seen people that have completely separate bills or um, accounts, and that works great too. So again, I think that 
we're in the 21st century, like things are a lot different than they used to be. And people are a lot more independent. I completely get that. Mm -hmm. So I think whatever system you choose just needs to be the best one that's going to work for you and your partner. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Okay. I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you approach gift giving. So one thing that my partner and I joke about is who gets the best Christmas gifts, that sort of thing, birthday gifts. And I think it can, we can feel a lot of pressure to go all out sometimes for special occasions. But what do you do if you have like different expectations when it comes to how much you just spend on one another, especially when you're married? And if you have a shared account, like how do you hide this from your partner? (laughs) Yeah, my experience is a little bit different because I think that with my husband and I, it's interesting because we don't necessarily put a lot of stock on gift giving because we have what I call treat yourself funds. So every pay period, Mm. we each get a certain amount of money that we both contribute to our separate savings account. And then that's money that we can spend on whatever we want to buy. So again, I can buy my Louis Vuitton, he can buy his computer monitor, whatever it is. And there's no judgment, no arguments on that end. And so I think a lot of what that has boiled down to is that when it comes around Christmas and birthdays, we don't really have to get gifts for each other because we've either already bought what we want for ourselves or... Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it's kind of hard for me to say as far as gift giving, but I, I think that treat yourself funds really are helpful. In terms of hiding gift giving, it's obviously difficult for us since we are shared. But usually if I do want to surprise, I'm like, my husband was deployed last year and I bought him an iPad when he came back. And so I just put it on my credit card and then I paid it off when he got home so he wouldn't see it. But yeah. like, I think there's ways around it, but it really just depends on sort of like your situation. I do think mm-hmm. that communicating expectations can probably be helpful because I do know couples where one person is really into gift giving, but then they don't feel like it's reciprocated for them. And then the partner's like, I didn't know that you wanted that. So I think this really just boils down to the fact that you're partner or people in general will treat you the way that you allow them to. And so if you are not voicing things that are important to you, like they aren't, they're not mind readers, unfortunately. And so yeah, again, I think it again, it boils down to communication. So if gift giving is something that's important to you, if that's your love language, gift giving or gift receiving, then that probably should be communicated. And then that's when you can begin to have those conversations about how you're actually going to fund those, um, Mm -hmm. those different things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree because I'm not really big on receiving gifts. I will buy yeah. myself, you know, whatever it is that exactly. I really want, especially mm-hmm. because I'm very impatient. So if I want something, I'm probably just going to go yeah. get it. <laughs> I'm not waiting until Christmas or my birthday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I love experiences. Those are like mm-hmm. the best gifts for me, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one thing I hear all the time, and I've even said this myself, is I wish I learned this sooner with a lot of different things. So I'm curious. What is the most important lesson you've learned over your career or just when it comes to money that you think would be helpful for listeners? I think this doesn't quite go with the conversation that we've had today, but I think every millennial can relate to this. Just the whole, Mm -hmm. I wish I had known about investing sooner. So I could have started when I was like 18 instead of starting at 25. Because obviously those seven seven years make a huge difference in what your outcome is going to be at retirement age. So I wish I would have had the resources or someone to tell me or like the initiative to like pick up an investing book and my Roth IRA and know what an index fund was because I'd probably be, well, I would definitely be a lot further along than I am now. I'm not complaining, but obviously you don't know what you don't know and hindsight is 2020. So I think that's the biggest thing. I won't say it's a regret, but it's one one thing that I wish I could go (laughs) back and change. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. I feel the same way. And because I do know this information now and how important investing is and how 
little you would have to invest if you started earlier. Yeah. I mm-hmm. make it a point to tell everyone that I know to start investing. Yeah. But also, mm-hmm. like, I have a little sister. She just graduated college, and I told her immediately, like, I showed yeah. her a calculator. Like, here is exactly what you need to invest each month, and you'll have a million or two million at retirement, like, so easy. So, yeah. 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 My younger I brother, I have a younger brother who's six years younger than me, and he's actually graduating college next week. And I did the same exact thing with him. Like he's already got his Vanguard open. He already has his yep. you know, contributions going at this age. I'm just like, you are so lucky. Please listen to me and don't ever stop <laughs> doing this because I want you to have be further along than I am. So yeah, exactly. I think it's super important to pass on the knowledge too. Yeah, so proud. But also we're so young. We're going to be fine. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much again. Where can listeners find you online? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. That is where I'm going to be most active. It's at millennialmoney.guide. You'll see my face. It's a green background with a black girl smiling. (laughs) That's me. Um, Go ahead and follow me there. Send me a DM. Say hello. I love connecting. It's not just about, you know, pretty pictures in my feed. It's about actually making connection and helping people. So I'd love to meet you over there. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode.